We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. We are now into episode three of the Beers on Us podcast with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. I'm Mike. Hi, I'm Patrick. And uh, if if it's your first time listening, thank you so much. This is going to be a unique episode that we're going to try to do once a month where we are going to do a brewery takeover, a podcast takeover, if you will, where we are going to go to a location and spend the entire podcast there, trying the beer, having the food, chatting to someone from there, and then, of course, picking our beer of the week from said location so once a month this is episode three so we're right smack dab in the middle of our first month and we will be uh doing it live from stormbreaker brewing's new second location yeah i think they call it uh, I, th- I think in in the inner terms they call it sb2 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 i meant to say i can't really speak well we are uh in st john's neighborhood in portland their original locations in on mississippi north mississippi we are now on st john's right on John Street, right? Uh, this is Lombard. This is Lombard. Okay. I'm an idiot. It's okay. It's pretty trippy. I used to live out here probably five years ago or so, and just to kind of see where St. John's has come has been really fun. Uh, This this place is getting, not that it was a dump by any means, but it's getting a lot nicer. Um, Seeing this building come up here is a trip because I know it used to be here, and what used to be here was pretty crazy. There's this place called Plues Brews that had, uh, like, uh, the whole place was kind of, like, blacklit. And there were, like, board games and really disgusting couches. And I felt like there were a ton of, like, runaway teens living in the bar. Mm. And they had weird beer on that they made, quote-unquote, and then other people's beer. And I remember there was Mondays. They had what was called Medical Mondays where – That sounds really, really uncomfortable. uh, They had Medical Mondays, which they had this, like, rap, hip-hop, reggae band play. And the whole place reeked like chronic – um, all they did was talk about smoking weed, and then they would smoke joints out on the out on the street in the middle of sets, and it was pretty crazy. Why is it Medical Monday then? I don't know. Oh, for the marijuana? They, yeah, because they, oh. they they sound cool, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. Those places always kind of scare me a little bit, where it's like you you, you have to sit on the couch. <laughs> yep, yep. But you really don't want to sit on the couch yeah, because like, you feel like there's itchy things inside. Yeah. And you feel like you're going to get up and have to shower immediately. The the, the bathrooms were really creepy. <laughs> I mean, that's just... Well, it's all blacklit, you said, Yeah, right? it, was, it was strange. So for these podcasts, when we are on location at the brewery, our plan is instead of doing like a big topic or a beer flavor topic or a regional topic, is our entire podcast is going to be based around this location. So we've already got in front of us some sample trays, which look Dope, yeah. by the way. These are the coolest sample trays I've ever seen in my life. I might agree with you on that. <clears> this They've got the St. So we're in St. John's, and for those who don't know Portland <laughs> well, there's this infamous, famous St. John's Bridge. It's light green. It's got these cool spires on it. It was designed by the same guy who designed the Golden Gate. And the sample tray has this, the exact style of the St. John's, so they're custom-made on the edge, and then all of your beers are on the St. John's Bridge. Yep. It's really rad. Um 
Mike got his first before before I got mine, and they set it down, and I just kind of kept staring at it because it's it's really gorgeous. It's made of wood, um, excellent craftsmanship. I mean, and it's even like down to the last drop, like the one. There's five of them. The the one is the lightning bolt instead of the number one, which is kind of cool because it goes the, with the Stormbreaker theme. Yeah. So it's funny, and this could be a topic that we talk about multiple times, but I do want to broach this, um, but I'll get to it in a second. So we'll try the beer. We'll have the food. We'll just talk about the brewery. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing a big topic, the topic is Stormbreaker Brewing and its new location here in St. John's. Um, so, but the, the thing I wanted to ask was, just how important is the sample tray look? Because to me, I mean, I like to order sample trays because mm-hmm. you go to a new place and you want to try all the beers and right. all that kind of stuff. But I think the way it looks is so vitally important to how you enjoy the beer, even though that might sound silly. Mm-hmm. And even though I'll, I'll still enjoy it if it's a generic like paddleboard like a lot of them are. But this just adds to the experience to me. I don't know. I agree. One of my favorite taster trays, I think you've had one of these too, is the buoy one. Because mm-hmm. it's like literally this metal, like, I don't know, buoy, that you, the, and the beers wrap all the way around it, and that like goes with the theme of the of the restaurant, goes with the theme of the town, and I think this knocks it out of the park too, especially because it's made out of wood. You know, we're sitting in this booth, all these tables. There's a ton of woodwork in this building, um, so not only does it kind of encompass the neighborhood and the brewery, but also the building that it's in too. That's the thing too. Why, why do you think every brewery or almost every brewery tries to follow the same kind of wood? industrial building feel, um, local art. It's a, it's a very similar vibe in a lot of the breweries that I, I go to. I think it's a Northwest thing. You think so? Yeah. I think being, you know, with, with the amount of forests and, and just trees in general that we have, that wood is a very complimentary, I don't know, feel vibe to people because we're around it all day, every day. So which beers did you get on your sample tray? Um, I got Good to the Last Lap, uh, which is a Session Ale, and then I got... House Martell, which I believe is a Mosaic Citra Hazy. What else did they get? Guava so that's Man. after um, Game of Thrones right there. Yeah, House right Martell. there, yeah. They did a fresh hop of it last year. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, and then I got Guava Man, which is a double dry hopped guava IPA. Okay. And then I got the Stout because I'm working on that because of you. <laughs> Thank and you. And then I got one of uh, my kind of go-tos regulars here, uh, the Total Recolch. I did their their... Their classic five, if you will. Um, so I got the Recolch as well. I also got the Stout, of course. Uh, they got the Right as Rain Pale, which is, uh, you know, just classic pale ale made mm-hmm. with uh, Galaxy Hops, it says here. I got the Mississippi Dry Hopped Red, which I know they're known for. It's one of their, their mainstays. Also got the Cloud Ripper IPA. And uh, I got the extra of the Savage Nimbus Double IPA because I, because of you, am trying really hard to learn all the different IPA styles, and to appreciate... I like IPAs, like mm-hmm. I said, but to appreciate them for what they are. I went with the custom because uh, I've been going to the Stormbreaker on Mississippi since it opened for years, uh, and their core stuff I've had a ton of. The the Ride as Rain is usually my go-to, um, or the Total Recolch. Um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of adventure out a little bit more and kind of taste some of the beers that I haven't had. Well, that's one of the things I like to do, and that, that's a thing for anyone who, who's not super comfortable or, or they don't normally go to new breweries, is they almost always have a classic sample tray. Mm-hmm. They almost always have one where you get their classic beers, and honestly, that's what I would start with, mm-hmm. because that's what they're known for. Yep, That's the beer that they make all the time. They sell it, and they bottle it, and all that kind of stuff. It's so definitely the right route if you've never been there before. But if you've gone multiple times, 
I always try to not even touch the ones that I like that are the classics because they've always got the rotatings on, they've got the seasonals on, and it's almost always on the inside page of the beer mm -hmm. list, and you can kind of go there. That's always the way I like to do it. It's it's a it's a way to just truly discover what that brewery is doing. Yep. Uh, we just got a pet pretzel dropped off. We did. So that's exciting with some beer cheese, some bur cheese. I'm very excited about the beer cheese I know dipping you are, sauce. Mike. <laughs> Mike, it doesn't shock me that you're excited about food. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I like food a lot. Uh, I am not the biggest eater, so I always have to be careful. Because um, if like I eat this whole pretzel, food will come and I'll eat like two bites and be done. I'm probably gonna eat two bites and be done anyway. Really? Yeah, I'm just a small eater. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm more very jealous of that ability because I can't. I can't help myself. More room for more beer. If I well, I can just do both. <laughs> if I can, the more food I can fit in, the more I know about the place. Well, how big are you, Mike? I'm six foot four. Yeah, I'm five foot six. <laughs> so well, whatever, man. You got <laughs> stomachs or stomachs. You could you could work that out. Yeah, I guess um, we'll try. So out of the ones I've, I've I've tried all the ones that I've gotten so far on the sample tray here, and. Obviously, I love the stout. That's that's a really good one. So I guess I'll start there. Um, I'll take another sip of it so I can talk about it. But it, it's telling me on the list here, and I always I always also like to read the description of the beer mm -hmm. and like try to find all those flavors. Um, it's telling me it's cocoa, deep roast, so coffee, and caramel, as well as toffee, dark chocolate, and coffee. So now I have to try to find all those flavors. Well, you don't have to try. Just see if they talk to you. I want to try. I do taste the coffee in this a lot. Yep. Um, and I kind of get that hint of dark chocolate in the back as well. Yeah, it's got a, a little bitterness from the dark chocolate. Yeah, it's got kind of like a, I get a heavy roastiness in the backside. That's kind of nice. So that's one of my favorites so far. I also, I like the, the Cloud Ripper IPA. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I bounce, like I was saying, I bounce a lot between the Rider's Rain Pale and the Cloud Ripper. Um, they're just, they've been making them here since they opened, really. Yeah, all their, I mean, that's, I think that's one thing that's been very successful for Stormbreaker is that these core beers that they have have done really well for them. And, and they've even evolved over time. You know, they're getting better. They're not just the same recipe. These guys are constantly tweaking stuff, trying to make things better, and as everyone in this biz should be doing. My question for you, as someone who has gone to Stormbreaker a bunch, mm -hmm. that's you. Yep. I've only been to Stormbreaker once before, their original location. That's it. To me... Maybe this is because I'm outside of the beer scene and I don't work in beer, but Stormbreaker's name is not that big in the city, right. in my opinion. <clears throat> Yet they're opening a second location. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about them a lot, that you've gone all the time. Mm -hmm. What is it about them that keeps them afloat but also kind of underground at the same time? Well, I think, I think they're not going to be as underground for much longer. Um, their beers have definitely been getting better and better and they're getting more and more notoriety, and I think when you realize you do have a product that's working for you, it might you might not need it to be the big name yet before you start expanding. It's almost like expand, and that will help push that as well, because it's like, oh, now there's two locations. Okay. I think one thing, plain and simple, and, and I don't think these guys would deny it either, is that location on Mississippi. I mean... Good thing they don't, but I, they could be making garbage beer and people would still be going down there because, you know, it's this gorgeous outdoor patio. And I think this is, is the same kind of thing right here. The there. patio the is patio awesome. The patio is really nice. It's right in downtown St. John's. The building is cool. The, you know, the beer is great. And that's just going to, you know, aesthetics are huge. You know, I've been to breweries before that are gorgeous places that make trash beer and trash food, but people still go. And you're kind of like, 
what is going on here? Why do people come here? <clears throat> it's because sometimes location's huge. People want the experience. People want to be able to go and say, I went here and it was gorgeous and I stayed for hours because it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that is huge. I think the, the thing that's lucky for us living in Portland is that we don't really have a lot of places that make that bad of beer. So you'll have a place that looks awesome. And even if it's not like top of the line beer in the city, it's still going to make good beer and you're going to enjoy going there and you're going to want to go back. And I mean, I, I talk about the sample trays being important to me, but the vibe of the restaurant's important too, obviously. Um, you know, we talked about Deschutes. I think it was on the first podcast where we walked in and it was like wood everything and it was carvings in the wood. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that stuck out to me when I first sat down. Yeah. When I first came here today, what stuck out to me was the awesome patio outside. Mm -hmm. It's really nice out there. There's music blasting. It's, it's. I mean, it's a nice day today, so that helps as well. But, um, you know, that's what stuck out to me. I think each brewery needs to have kind of a distinguishing feature that's unique to it. Mm -hmm. um, as another example, I kind of thought the the Ten Barrel location that's in Portland yeah. was pretty typical it was a generic kind of brewery mm -hmm. then they opened up the rooftop deck and you're just kind of like and you're Whoa, like well now I need, to, I need to go to the rooftop deck yeah. when i go and totally. it's that kind of a thing um whereas other places like they're nice mm -hmm. but there's nothing super unique about them so even if the food and beer is really good which it usually is mm -hmm. you're not having that extra thought of i really want to go back there for that vibe again yeah i think they're and something you know i don't know maybe i'm looking too much into this but this kind of has the same vibe as Mississippi. Like, when I look at the bar, I don't know, it reminds me of the Mississippi bar, but still its own kind of thing. I don't know if I'm describing it well enough, but... Well, I mean, so they've got kind of the open the open ceiling where you kind of got the exposed uh, vents and stuff, which is certainly There's a style. happy birthday balloon up there. <laughs> I saw I that. I bet you yeah. that's been there for, like, a week and a half, and... I don't know. If I worked here, we'd be playing the game of don't take it down. Let's see how long it'll stay up there. Maybe they are. You can yeah. ask uh, our guest about that when yeah. he comes on. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of got the exposed vent thing, which is ha it's, it's just like style nowadays yeah. in all buildings, not just breweries and restaurants. It's in all buildings. Um, yeah, but, but it's, like, it's like the tables, the floor is really nice. The wood structure is nice. And then once you get, you know, above like eight feet, then it has this, yeah, like industrial look. So it almost kind of encompasses both sides to it of something modern and sleek, yet something old and nostalgic. The thing that's different about this than the original location, in my opinion, is just the size. The, the original Mississippi location, the outside is huge. Yeah. The inside, Inside's really, really, small. really small. Yeah. Um, and you've got so much more space to work with here. The booths are big and comfy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's clean. It's new. You yeah. Know? So it's it's got that... I want to be there because it's brand new vibe to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Give them a little bit. They'll they'll gruff this place up. <laughs> I remember when we first when we first opened Slabtown, uh, the Northwest Breakside location. I remember looking around when we first read it. I was like, man, this place is way too nice. Eh, give it a year. <laughs> we'll beat this bad boy up. Well, how give is it, it? Give it a little. How close. has it been for you then? <clears throat> has it has it been beaten up enough for you? I don't know. <laughs> it all looks the same to me. <laughs> you know, I'm sure these guys would say the same about this place in a year. They're like, I don't know. I walk in here every day. Uh, that brick fell out. I don't know, you know, <laughs> but you'll start seeing like as the place gets a little more wear and tear on it, and just more bodies coming through. And this might be a little hippie esque, but as you know, the, the the people roll through and the vibes roll through, you know, this this building will start to take on its own kind of character. It might not physically change, but it'll start to kind of have its own vibe to it. Well, and and it also takes on the personality of the neighborhood, oftentimes mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Um, 
instantly I'm getting a different vibe here than I did when I went to their Mississippi location. Yeah, and St. John's and Mississippi are completely different places. So as someone who grew up in St. John's, although you haven't lived here in a while, how do you think that's going to go? Like, what's the vibe of St. John's? I have not been in St. John's very right. often. So what's well, the vibe in your I, d I didn't grow up here. I just lived here for about a year. Oh, okay. um, And it was just, it was, it's kind of like a neighborhood off the beaten path. Like, what's really cool about St. John's is, is you're still in Portland. Everyone thinks you're way out there, but you're really not. It felt far driving here. So everyone leaves you alone. You know, but I remember, you know, when I lived out here, I grew up in Vancouver. So, you know, my mother and my, my sister and my niece live in Vancouver. <clears throat> but then I worked downtown and it was kind of like, well, wherever you need to go from here, you can get to. Because you can take the back roads into, um, you can take the back roads into head up north and then get on I-5 real easily to go to Vancouver. Or you just cross the bridge and you're on third and you're downtown in 10 minutes. Um, so it had this kind of feel and vibe like, oh, that's so far away. And when I was out here, I was like, yeah, it is far away. Don't come out yeah, here. Yeah, don't come here. <laughs> so it's so it's it's really kind of its own little private neighborhood. And, and we're so starting to see. So you think this neighborhood will kind of embrace the new Stormbreaker Without as its own? Without a doubt. I think um, this town. You opened up here. You mm -hmm. want to be a part of St. John's. Yeah, St. John's has been growing. I mean, gentrification is a reality. I'm not going to beat around the bush on that. Um, that's definitely happening out here. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's just the, the, the town is getting a lot more alive, is what I would say. And I think adding things like Stormbreaker to it are just going to help. You know, there's only, let's see, I don't want to be wrong on this. There's only one other brewery in this neighborhood, and that's Occidental. And they make, <clears throat> they do fantastic German-style lagers and other German-style beer, and that's all they focus on. And as much as I like Occidental, um, that's... You know, you're in one kind of one kind of zone of making beer, and so with these guys here, it's going to reach it's going to reach more people. You know, and it's also a little more centrally located to where Occidental's down almost under the bridge. Um, that's a cool spot. I highly recommend going there. Uh, so I think having something like on the strip, in the heart, is going to just help continue to build this neighborhood that they're trying to do. Now, one thing too, and again, this is kind of separate, but it's interesting in my opinion, is a conversation that we've had once before, just completely unpodcast related, is oftentimes gentrification in a neighborhood starts in this city from a brewery going in. And I think that's really fascinating to me that, I mean, it's a restaurant, but it's a brewery going into a neighborhood that maybe hasn't been touched is a classic Portland neighborhood. All of a sudden will then jack up the value of the homes. You'll see different people moving in. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the, the brewery itself has done it? Because, honestly, your own brewery, Breakside, mm -hmm. the original Deacon location, mm -hmm. that little corner is blowing <clears> up now. Yeah, there. but five years ago it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's really cool. Well, I think it's – we talked about it in our in our first podcast. I think a lot of it is 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 the culture. It's, it's people want this. It's people get excited about it. And so, you know, I can't tell you how many times when I'm working in Milwaukee – that someone moved to Milwaukee and they were like, they should have put this on the listing of the house I bought because I would have paid an extra ten grand to live next to this brewery. And I think people just are they that that excites them. Beer is such a such an important cultural aspect in this town that it does drive people and push people to go places and do things they wouldn't normally do. So what's uh, what's the beer you're looking at right now? What um, have you been enjoying down to your sampler trace? Yeah, I the, I'm surprised because it's not clear, um, but the Guava Man. It's just really juicy. Yeah. It's really fresh and 
and exciting. It, it's not as bitter as I would like it to be, considering that they're calling it an IPA, but I also understand <clears throat> that's where the style's going. So it's nice. I have a bit of a uh, it's a groundbreaking opinion here. This is not a style. Is it a storm-breaking opinion? <laughs> I had to. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know me, um, I, am, I am a child away from being a full-blown dad. Like, I've got terrible jokes. Uh, I'm curmudgeoned about everything. My knees hurt. I've got love handles. Dad bod to the max. Uh, I just don't have children. Well, I also have a dad bod. And I also don't have a child. Yeah, but you're married. I and am, you just bought a house. Yes. Like, you're knocking on that. I'm like, adulting super hard. Yeah, like, I'm just bacheloring it up with my cat in my apartment. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a shocking opinion for those of you who know me. I think my favorite beer of all of these mm -hmm. that I've gotten, which is their Classic 5 plus the Double IPA, mm -hmm. is the Kolsch. Yeah. I don't generally like the super light drinkable beers that much. I mean, mm -hmm. I should say I like them. But I don't like them in the same way I like ambers, reds, dark beers, the maltier beers. Yeah. This Kolsch is freaking fantastic. Yeah, I think it's one of their more award-winning beers. Um, I think it's one that they're super proud of. I know that they, they bottle it. I think you can get it in stores, at least bottle shops, but you can definitely pick it up when you're at the brewery. Um, Kolsch's are nice. You know, they're ales fermented like a lager, and, and so that gives you a light body, but... But it says sweetness. A little, it's a little sweet. I like yeah, that. Yeah, Kolsch's, Kolsch, if, you, if you, like, compare things between, like, a Kolsch, a Hellas Lager, a Pilsner, uh, your Kolsch is probably going to be the sweetest. And that's just kind of the style. Well, for whatever that reason, Joyman's like. that is sticking <clears throat> out to me out of the ones Good. that I've gotten, which is shocking to me. Hey, man, dude, I just said that I like a hazy IPA, so. <laughs> a guava hazy IPA, no less Yeah, as well. man, I would, I would normally look at that and be like, gross, next. <laughs> Not doing it. <clears throat> and now it's, yeah, it's one of the better ones I got. Uh, we also got our food, too. So how, what are you thinking about the pretzel and the beer cheese so far? Oh, I dig the pretzel. The pretzel's great. It's um, kind of got like a, it's a unique kind of consistency, too. A lot of pretzels are like very kind of, they're, they're like crispy and really hard to, to bite mm -hmm. into. This is super soft. Yeah. And it's kind of got like a, it's not selling it super well, but trust me when I say this, it's kind of got like this this gooey part when you take the dip with it where mm -hmm. I like it. It's all together. It's like it's really unique and good. Yeah, it's like it's got a crispy outside texture with a soft inside, but it's not too doughy. It's not too thick. It's not too heavy. And I uh, I got a burger, which I almost always do at a brewery because it's my favorite food. And what did you get? Uh, I got a Dilla. Uh, Quesa Dilla? Quesa Dilla. Okay. It looks pretty. Lo oh, that looks loaded. Yeah, that looks good. There's a lot. Well, if you want a piece, you can have one because I'm going to eat like one of these. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I might take some of this home too. <laughs> so good beer, good food here at Stormbreaker at the new location, and uh, we will do our beer of the week at the end. Don't forget, we've been tasting the beer, but we have to choose which beer is our beer of the week from Stormbreaker. And of course, we will also have our interview, which is with the bar manager here at the new location of Stormbreaker. His name is Patrick, and he's coming up next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Interview portion time for our brewery takeover of Beers on Us. Today we are at the second location of Stormbreaker up on St. John's, and we are joined by Patrick Shields, the bar manager here. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So... I, one of the things I'm most fascinated about is opening a second location. And you guys have the Mississippi location, and you've built a, a, a base of people who go there and love the beer. And then you decide to come to St. John's, which is far but not far. It's kind of isolated in the city of Portland. Wh what kind of goes into a decision of, of picking that second location when you're 
making that next step in the brewery world? Uh, well, I mean, the owners, Rob and Dan here at Stonebreaker, uh, they've been, they knew right away that they, they need to get a second location. I think it's a good way to, you know, base yourself out into the community. Kind uh, of a new trend these days, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for them, I think their idea was, like, they looked around, you know, and they found a couple spots. Uh, the St. John's the Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, that was our first our first bid, and we lost that bid out, I think. Everybody wants that yeah. space. But I think a, bu- a bunch of guys came in with a bunch of money mm-hmm. and took it over. So uh, we found this spot, and it wasn't even for sale. We, like, asked to buy it. And the lady we agreed, you know, uh, as long as we kept the shell. And oh. I think it worked out really well for us because, I mean, it's, I mean, the architect, I mean, it's great. I mean, we opened the ceilings and it's beautiful here. Um, yeah, it was something we mentioned when we first started at the beginning of this podcast that it's got this like newer vibe kind of on the floor level. And then as you raise to the top, it has that kind of more old school, nostalgic, mm-hmm. industrial vibe. It, it, it's complimentary. And coming into St. John's, I think, you know, it's that's the hot spot right here in Portland. St. Yeah. John's, you know, it's yeah. turning fast. I mean, when you have St. John's Bridge, I mean, I commute across that every day, and mm-hmm. it's the best commute I've ever had, just driving over that bridge. That you bridge know. is the most gorgeous, gorgeous. thing in Portland. I mean, it's amazing. You see, you know, how Mount Hollins and Adams, and if you're looking just to see Hood, I mean, damn. Do you think opening a second location kind of helps stabilize the brand? Like, Mike and I were kind of talking about, like, in, Mike mentioned it earlier that he was like, you know, Stormbreaker doesn't have the biggest name in Portland, at least for the average consumer yet, yet they're opening a second location. And, and my thought process, and I'm interested in what you think, is that it might help kind of stabilize the brand and help push that. Is that, do you agree, disagree? or what I agree, think? yeah. It definitely stabilizes. gets us out a little more, um, you know, especially out here at St. John's, more east. I mean, well, west, uh, north Portland. Um, I mean, yeah, it definitely stabilizes. I mean, we, as my my theory is, you know, we're here for the community. The mm-hmm. community is here for us. So, I mean, you know, being, and St. John's is still a very tight-knit community where we kind of were like, thought we were have to walk on eggshells a little bit because how tight it is. But it's, they've been here like open arms. They've been super welcoming, you know, and getting that, that welcoming, it's like, cool. Like people are like, they're just out now to make money. Like they're here for the community, and I think that helps us with our with our our name, our branding, to get out. Saying like these guys are all like really rad about being in the Portland community. We try to do as much as we can, and you know we are fortunate to have that location on Mississippi. You know it's a destination spot with tourists, but here like this is the community base. This is this is the hub now. It's the neighborhood pub. Right. Yes. Exactly. Do you try to? mix both consumer bases for both places or when you open this new one are you saying like you're saying it's the neighborhood and we're not necessarily worried about the people who go to our mississippi location also coming here or do you have to think about both of those things i mean we do we definitely do think about both you know um you know like i said keep saying it. i mean we're here for the community uh but you know portland is a big destination spot so we do both things like hey you know if you're at the mississippi location we'd be like have you been out to st john's you should try out St. John's. I mean, it's a different vibe out there to, to Mississippi and vice versa, you know. And uh, there are customers I still have at the Mississippi location that come here now, you know, and vice versa. Like, it's it's funny because, perfect example, two, two regulars of mine, they just come in for the triple-double. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's one of our flagships, but it's seasonal. So we do, you know, get it off tap and they'll come here and drink it. They're like, hey, Patrick, you know if it's I'm like, yep, it's over there. So next day they're here you know, drinking the triple-double. And, like, 
it's like great to have those kind of customers, you know? Yeah, it kind of gives you the opportunity to like, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you, it's almost like, so I live in Overlook, so I'm kind of, you know, in the middle of St. John's, Mississippi. I'm closer right, yeah. to Mississippi than out here, but it's almost like, oh, if I have friends in from out of town, you might send it, we might go to the Mississippi spot, because it's a little, I don't, I was about to say bougie. There's nothing bougie about Mississippi, uh, but it's a little more lively. Right. I don't mean your miss. I mean the street, but it's a little more lively. It's got Absolutely. the big patio. It's more of like the excitement to where if Mike and I are grabbing a beer, we might go out to St. John's. It's a little more kind of relaxed right, yeah, environment right. sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, if, I, if I'm if i going to my buddies, like, it's not like French amount of town, like, Mississippi is probably not going to want to, like, I'm not going to go there because yeah. it's like, it is too lively, mm-hmm. you know, I, like, I just want to have a cool laid-back kind of conversation with my friends like you know we'll go down to Lombard House you know with Brian and have a couple beers there and you know that's you know my little get-to or in here in St. John's like there's Urine Tavern right around the corner which is like my favorite bar yeah. in Portland you know that's a secret oops I just got it out sorry guys <laughs> Denver Denver will be really happy he's the owner over there and yeah uh, yeah I got really spot. mad when everybody was asking me uh, you ever been to the Mockcrest Tavern and I was like Yes, don't ever go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when you at, people ask you to move to Portland. Yeah. It's great, but don't move don't here. Don't move here. Yeah. Um, do you try to differentiate between this location and the Mississippi location, whether it's beers that you're making, whether it's um, the food that you're making? Is there is there a differentiation, or you want to keep it similar because you know you have such a hit down there that you want it to translate up here? Uh, well, the food-wise, so we have a unique uh, thing here at Stormbreaker is – so we actually have Grand Cru as our our caterers, essentially. Um, this has become now their commissary. So they they have their kitchen here, um, which we have a much bigger kitchen in the St. John's location versus the Mississippi location. I mean, the Mississippi location, if no one's ever seen it, it's literally a line, and then there's a girl in the back, and then there's the brewery right there. We're, like, cooking in the brewery, essentially. Um, so we have a lot less space, but we still put out some amazing food there too and here it's been great because now with this huge location we're, we're trying new things and these new things are will be probably moved down the line to the Mississippi location so food aspect yeah it's a little different here but around I think it's it's still a whole you know um, with that I mean we're, I mean it's been yeah it's it's been good with the food aspect um, other things that we like I said I you guys around like this is going to be eventually the, the main facility um but till then like we will have just like st john's beers you know like at slap town you know yep. brewers hot town you know at slap town you know we'll have <coughs> I, that think, I think there's something really cool about that i mean that you know y- you do want to have some sort of consistency across the board so somebody that does like the mississippi spot isn't going to feel like they're at a completely different place when they're right. out here but as far as beer goes i mean if I live, say I live on Mississippi and Shaver, you know, say I'm three blocks from the, from from your pub down there, and I love the place, love the place, and I go there all the time. If you don't have anything different, especially beer wise, at a different pub, then I'll never go out there, sort of thing. That's right. what I mean, I was maybe thinking. not me specifically, right. but the the average consumer might be like, why am I going to go all the way to St. John's, go to Stormbreak, and go down here? But if you have some offerings, especially in the beer world, like the food, you know, food is consistent. When people find food they like, people find food they like. So that consistency isn't something that is a is a thought to me. But yeah, having different beers gets me to want to go to different locations. Well, and that's what I was thinking about when I asked the question. Is is I would say, oh, I want to go to Stormbreaker. What what am I in the mood for today? Do I want because uh, the Mississippi location? 
I've only been there twice now, but the menu is really like unique and there's kind of crazy stuff on the menu. Whereas mm-hmm. here it was like, you know, more brewery, brew pubby food. Like there were burgers and fries and salads and apps and pretzels and stuff like that. It's like if I want to go really unique and kind of have the outdoor fire pit there, then I'm going to go there. But I can come here and get the more relaxed vibe, like you were talking about. Almost like you could do it in the same day, even. You're like, right. let's go to both Stormbreakers. We can go try some of the beer that's up there that's not here. We can get an app in one place and an entree in the other place. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually encourage my customers from SB1 to come up to St. John's. I'm like, you know, it's still, like you said, like, same, same by vibe, but like, it is. It's a different atmosphere here, you know, and it's, it's still a chill place, you know, both locations, you know, and like, it's funny we were saying, like, with that kind of relating back to the Mississippi, like, I call like Mississippi now, like, the Pearl of the North. Yeah, you know, it really is. And that's what they're going for. <clears throat> yep. You know, and to me, this is, this location is like, feels like home now, you know. Yeah, Mississippi, it's, it's interesting. And, and I'm sure you guys have seen this down there because, you know, before you guys rolled in there and it was amnesia, Mississippi was not what it is now. Right. I mean, yeah. me and my friends, <clears throat> we would go to amnesia all the time. And, you know, we... And this is a while ago, so even, like, I can be honest, like, I don't even know if I if their beer was good or not sort of thing. Like, my palate wasn't in a place to right. really be, Absolutely. like, truly judging if someone made beer. But we always w- went down there because the location was great. If you wanted, like, a Costco hot dog or a burger, they had some guy flipping them outside. And then I think I think Storm when Stormbreaker came in, it really kind of changed the, the profile of that building. And, you know, they put in seating and doors and food, and it became more of a brew pub. I think that was a big spark that pushed a lot of that neighborhood. I mean, you, were you guys in there before Ecliptic? Uh, no, actually, Ecliptic opened up, uh, I think, four months before us. Okay. I think they opened in November. But I, but I think you two, the both of you guys, have pushed that, have been a part of pushing oh, that neighborhood to I, where it is. I, I, I totally agree. Throw Mississippi Studios on top of it and with, with a nice music venue. Nice music venue, two breweries. That place is going to get yeah. nice. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, if you look now, like, right next to like Ecliptic, all those, all those apartment buildings are going up there. I mean, that's hap- I mean, it's it's there. I mean, it's You're not going to be short of customers anytime soon. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there's a Blue Star opened up over there, yeah. and uh, there's the Parque <coughs> No over there. Yeah. It's yep. be- it. We talked about this in the first segment. It, the brewery in Portland, is what starts the gentrification of a neighborhood in a lot of senses. <laughs> it goes in, mm-hmm. and people come. And they're like they want to go to the brewery, and then they realize the neighborhood's kind of cool, so they want to move to the neighborhood. It's fascinating to me how it's the breweries here that start that start that kind of a move. Well, I mean, perfect say that's a good segue into St. John's is that when we moved here, like I always thought, like this is going to be a turning point for St. John's. We're here, you know, and there's Occidental. We love those guys. That's great, you know. Like I think now, like people are going to move in. I mean, I know people are already moving into St. John's because mm-hmm. they love it so much, and you know, I think us coming in, especially being in Lombard right here on the main strip in downtown St. John's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's going to open a lot of doors for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm really sad not to, uh, not to woe is me too much, but uh, had the ex not left me when she did, I'd probably still be living out here in St. John's. Uh, <laughs> I love this neighborhood so much. Um, we were talking about this in, in the first segment that it, it's very tight-knit. It's like a small town almost out here, and everybody that doesn't live out here thinks, oh, St. John's, that's way too far away. It's really not. No. It's really easy to get to, yeah. especially with the bridge and Highway 30. Yeah, so there, there, is a, there is a secret yep. for me. Like, I mean, I live on, you know, 15th and Broadway, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I just jump on, cross the bridge, onto 30. And I'm here in 15 minutes, Yep. you know, yep. at night. When I leave here at night, it takes me 12 minutes to get home. So I asked Patrick this, but I do want to ask you, why do you think it's the breweries that cause 
those kind of booms in the areas, in this city in particular? Why is it the brewery that always seems to start it, in your opinion? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, well, I mean, I think with breweries, like, a lot of people, like, that, that's a destination. So I'm going to use where I'm from in New York, like Beacon, New York. You know, uh, Beacon, uh, I'm from Poughkeepsie. Beacon was one of those spots where it wasn't a great place to live. And then, you know, now there's a couple of breweries down there. And now it's the hot spot. It's where New Yorkers, New York City, escape New York. And they go upstate, which... Which is southeastern. Which is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is southeastern. It's really not that far. And then just jump on a train and it's... It, brings these people up it brings i mean people are like oh there's a brewery here like there must be something to invest in there's a community and i think that brings that kind of aspect in where people are like wow yeah like you can totally get behind this neighborhood you know and i think like st john's is coming that way you know it's it's gonna happen i mean i mean we i think we're out of the boom now from what i'm reading in portland wise but there's 30,000 apartments available right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the housing market is still crazy. And yeah. You can believe me on that one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like, from from this location to, we'll say, interstate, like, the variety, you know, if you go to, like, Portsmouth or Overlook, you mm -hmm. know, like, it's interesting. It's interdynamic, you know. And actually, my fiance and I are trying to find a house eventually after the wedding between in that area of yeah. Portsmouth and, uh, and Overlook, you know, and it's, it's wild. It's wild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, everyone kind of comes in like, well, if a brewery can do it, we can do it, you know? Well, and that, that kind of ties back to our first episode of, the, of this podcast. We talked about beer culture and how especially craft beer culture has changed from, oh, cute, you know, there's like one craft brewery that you have on the tap list and it's like with all the buds and the millers and the cores and it's like, oh, and you get this one place that's local. Whereas now, you want to go to the breweries and try craft beer Friday night. Like, let's get a beer. It's not just let's go out. It's let's get a beer. And because of that cultural shift, the brewery going into an area, they're like, let's go get a beer. And they go to the new area because they want to try the, the new Stormbreaker. And they're introduced to the neighborhood. They're introduced to the beer. And it's all, it's all kind of intertwined in how crazy craft beer culture has gotten. In my opinion, at least. Yeah, I don't know if it's because I work in the biz, but <clears throat> 10 years ago, I would have never thought beer was as big as it is now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and maybe, maybe because I'm in it all day that it does kind of consume my life, that maybe sometimes you feel like, oh, but yeah, but that consumes your life, so your, your view is a little skewed. But I don't think so. I, I think beer is unbelievably huge in this town. Yeah. More I mean, so than even we realize. If you, if you turn it back a little bit, I mean, to Mississippi, where, like you said, like 10 years ago, you didn't want to be on Mississippi. Mm -hmm. You didn't. It was terrible on Mississippi, you know. And Amnesia came in, and then, you know, look at that. I mean, yeah. they were the first brewery right there on Mississippi, you know, and, you know, we were fortunate enough, you know, Rob was assistant brewer, and they offered to sell them the location. And, yeah, Rob picked it up. He's like, yeah, why wouldn't I? You know, and The decision that changed his boom. life. Yeah. 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 So for Rob and Dan, you know, both those guys, I mean, they thought, like, wow, this is going to be good. And now it's hugely successful. I mean, those guys put a ton of hard work. We have a great staff, you know, both locations. Uh, know. Shifting gears for a minute, I want to talk to you about something specific that's in your neck of the woods. I think one thing that I, that I noticed at uh, the Mississippi spot that you guys have carried on over here is your beer and whiskey pairings. It's something that's fascinating to me. Uh, I've been in the restaurant industry for a long time, so I've worked with cocktails, I've worked with wine, with beer, all that kind of jazz. Uh, but I've never really seen a brewery that 
promotes whiskey and beer pairing. You know, like some restaurants might do it, but I've never seen an actual brewery that's like, hey, we've got these great whiskeys that go along with our beer. It's almost like you're showcasing the whiskey and then just sliding the beer in with it. Talk to me about how that came about and what you guys like about it. So, to be honest, up front, this is the my favorite part of my job. Cool. You know. I, is, had, I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> is, is drinking our, our beer and then having a whiskey with it and mm. then trying to find, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be whiskey, but usually that's I'm, I'm whiskey forward here. So, uh, I'll, I'll start, like, sipping on whiskeys and, you know, I was like, wow, like, yeah, this goes so well, you know, with this beer for, you know, reasons I'll get into, you know. Uh, it's that classic shot in the back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the old, you know, the old beer back of the shot, you know. Uh, but I was like, we could, you know, Rob, Dan, myself, we sat down and, you know, we had this night where we, you know, had the, the first original uh, six pairings on the menu. You know, we came up with them and we kind of came up with like, just like a sheet and a way of judging them, kind of, you know not looking and taste and it was kind of like giving me that that crown now I guess you can say and taking over and to highlight some of these whiskeys and me personally like I like to try to get whiskeys people don't know about and be like all right what what would pair really well with this you know like perfect example like on our menu is let's say the the black ghost you know ghost owl pacific northwest northwest whiskey we've had a lot of ghost owl um, it's good stuff for local stuff yeah yeah it's super good and with the, like the our stout, like I mean, people tend to type like you know, drink stout whiskey, you know, uh, which goes along. I mean, everywhere, any bar you go. Um, but I think there's just something that brings out characteristics of each, you know, just the whiskey and the beer. You know, there's these different profiles that you you can you can taste out. Like oh man, like that really brought out that more vanilla taste, or you know, that really brought out that back palate of that that opaque stout. You know. Um, and it's great because we also have we do our festival the distillery event uh, I don't know if you guys are a Ben but we do uh, this year we did 24 breweries and we try to pair them up with a distillery oh wow all here in the Portland area and Oregon area so uh, same thing same kind of idea like people you know like a like a festival beer festival get tickets and then you know they have you know their beer and their spirit you know uh for, I mean, we did, we've done gin before, we've done tequila, uh, you know, even we've actually made beer cocktails there. Um, but I mean, our focus is right now, it's currently whiskey sides. Uh, luckily, I was fortunate enough to uh, do a whiskey class with Stuart Ramsey. If you guys know him, uh, he's, he's kind of like a Portland legend here in the industry. I say I don't, but Patrick's yeah. nodding his head yeah. like yeah. he does. Yeah, so. yeah he's <laughs> super, super awesome guy. He is like world renowned, like super knowledgeable about whiskey. So uh, I was a it was a four-class uh, seminar, and like that's where like I got deep into the whiskey, you know, just know the branches of you know scotches, bourbons, ryes, you know, uh, world whiskeys, you know, Northwest whiskeys, getting to know all that. And I was like, once I got done with that class, and actually one of the owners, Rob, was with me in that class. You know, I was like, man, we have to bring this to Stormbreaker. We have to make this thing. And so before we opened, we're like, we're this is our this is our niche. This is our way in, you know, and. You know, I've met, I think, every distiller we have on this menu right now. And they're like, wow, like, you're promoting, like, you're showcasing, like you said, showcasing yeah. us. And it's like, we've never been, it's never been happening before at a brewery. And it's like, yeah, well, I try a beer and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I was quite surprised that it, I mean, and I, I could be wrong. There could be another brewery out there. I mean, we've got 93 of them in this town, so I might be missing somebody. But 
yeah, you guys are the only ones that I can think of to my head that is going to say, hey, yeah, we got beers over here. Check out this whiskey. It comes with a little bit of beer with it, too. Yeah, and, and you get you get, the, you get the beer for free anyways. Yeah. So it's a half pint, you know, and ounce and a half of the whiskey. I mean, Yeah, and it's better than a shot of Jim Beam and a PBR bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Drink some local whiskey and get some craft beer behind it. Is it difficult to find the right kind of pairing with a, a beer that you guys have in the whiskeys, or is that a lot easier than, than it, it sounds? It's... It's kind of like happy mistakes. It's fun, you know, uh, but there are like something that just don't match. Um, you know, it's kind of my job to like, wow, I should really try this. And, you know, there's, you know, I think right now, like there's been that big whiskey boom where people are just, you know, throwing out these whiskeys and I, you know, like beers, some are better than others, you know, it's just finding that, that, that whiskey that you want to pair with our beer, you know. Is there a style, whether it's scotch or bourbon or, or rye that works best? In your opinion, or is it really just yeah? Relying so on the beers? with you know the, the rye, the spice, and since of that, like I will try to go to more maybe like a sweeter IPA. You know, uh, I think that's a kind of a good way to look at it. Um, and then there are, there are some you know if we do like our like you know lower IPAs or single IPAs, uh, there are, I mean you could still go back to the bourbons you know, um, and the bourbons bring that sweetness you know um, if you have like maybe a more of a maltier IPA, you know, so you want that sweetness kind of to get in. Uh, I know you're probably kind of like me. This is, I mean, getting off of whiskey here for a minute, getting back into beer. I know you're probably like me, and we bounce around and dance around the different styles, but uh, what's the Stormbreaker beer you're drinking right now, like your go-to? My that you go- find yourself going to the most? Right now in the summer, it's it's probably the Total Repulse. Yeah. Super light, just want a gold medal um, at the North American Brew. Uh, so, you know, big thing for us, uh, won silver medal for uh, the Kolsch in Oregon OBA. Uh, it's super drinkable. It's so good. Um, I think it's still underrated, even mm-hmm. though these gold medals, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're getting, you know. Uh, and then, I mean, I know it's not your niche, but the hazy beer, like we have, I mean, we're, we, you know, only a seven barrel system, you know, so our hazy is always changing. Uh, currently, right now, I'm drinking Noe Potes in a Corner, uh, 6.0 ABV. Super delicious. Has that really citra tropical. That hits your back, back palate. I uh, get some oranges out of it. It's, it's fantastic. Do you remember OBAs? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Pretty well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You guys look like you were having fun. Oh yeah. When I mean, when we won gold medal for our style, like yeah. we never expected that. Yeah. And man, that was amazing. That was that was great. So I do have a question. So I noticed on the menu you put the golds next to the beers that got mm-hmm. golds. And you got, is that a bronze next to the dry hopped red as well? Yep. Also just uh, one gold as well. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Um, my question is, me as the average consumer, I don't, like the metal system to me, like that's not something I'm looking for, right, generally. Is that something that helps that beer sell with regular people? Or is it more of like a, in the industry, everyone knows like Stormbreaker got some golds. That's really good. This beer is awesome. Um and it's more for the guys who understand the award system and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I kind of think it does. It does goes both ways. It does help with the consumers. Um, you know, so I'd say like in the Mississippi location, you know, people will come in and some people are like, hey, I don't really know about beers, you know. And I'd be like, well, you know, try give me, you know, what kind of beers you like. And I'll stare at them like, hey, you know, also like the triple, the triple double, won a gold medal. It's an amazing double IPA. They're like, where are they? What? Oh, I'll go for that. It's got to be good if it's gold right you know um and then but there are people, people like come in saying this one gold i want this yes okay they do yeah with our style with oba like people are like 
you guys want to go like yeah i gotta i gotta try this out now you know and you know us being industry it's like also it's like yeah i can drink this and it i can see why i won mm -hmm. gold you know mm -hmm. uh I, yeah i think it works both ways it definitely does help with the customers and the industry people kind of seek it out too well, Patrick, we do want to uh, we do want to have you sit in with us on our uh, beer of the week segment. Uh, but before we can let you get out of here uh, in this interview portion, I want to I want to give give some props to uh, Stormbreaker once again. Thanks for having us out here and all that jazz. Uh, what what do you guys got coming up? Anything cool going down? Yeah, next weekend is the August 11th is our second annual Rattler Fest. Oh, Rattlers! Rattlers! How popular is that? They Insane, have, right? Yeah, they have come out of nowhere i tell you uh people will, i mean yeah been asking about it i mean it's it's as we say the most refreshing festival mm -hmm. you could go to portland uh yeah, i mean again are we're just putting out a pineapple rattler that's uh 2.6 abv perfect you know are you, are you guys so drinkable are you guys so brewing the rattler or are you actually like mixing brewing brewing okay yep. so it will be the beer it won't be like we take beer and mix it with pineapple sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, nope. Cool. We'll do the brewing process. Uh, we're going to have 20-plus breweries. Wow. Uh, one that I'm always excited about, smaller guy still, I love them, Pono Brewing. Yeah. Uh, there was their Rattler last year. They had a, like a Samoan cookie. Like Girl Scouts, it tasted like that, and it was so drinkable. Wow. I'm I kind of a sweet tooth, so I loved it. It was fantastic. So I'm super excited to see what those guys come out with. Uh couple of other breweries you know coalition we got swift uh our buddies at 5440 coming out with something super excited about that i think they're they teased something with ginger so mm. yeah kind of very anxious to see what badger puts out those guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> patrick shields bar manager here at stormbreaker sitting down with us for the interview and sticking around for beer of the week which yep. is coming up right after this We wrap up this week's podcast, as we do every week's podcast, with our Beer of the Week. And since we are at Stormbreaker today, our Beer of the Week will be a Stormbreaker beer. And we were talking about it in the first segment. We tried a bunch of the different beers. We had the little sample trays. And I, I teased this, and I didn't know I was picking this yet when I teased this, but my favorite beer on the sample tray was the Beer of the Week. And I know you've liked it before, mm -hmm. and Patrick is sitting with us again for this, and I know it's one of your favorite beers mm -hmm. here, if not your favorite beer here. We're doing the Total Recall, which is our beer of the week from Stormbreaker Brewing. Yeah, I'm excited. I, th this beer is great. I think what always brought me to this beer, and it's so funny because despite being in the industry, you know that you know naming beers is, is part of the game, but you know a great name for a beer can sometimes cover up a not-so-great tasting Absolutely, beer. Absolutely, of course. Uh, but this beer is fantastic, and... Uh, the name. I mean, the, the punny names that we're always trying to do. You, you're <laughs> trying to walk the line to make sure it's not too bad. Uh, but Total Recall just kind of talks to me. Yeah. People always ask. they like, I don't get the name Total Recall. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> boom, I boom, got boom, it. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know. Get, get you know, Warden Schwarzenegger voices, you know. Yeah, yeah. See you at the party, So the reason I picked this was I don't normally drink Kolsch's. Mm -hmm. And when I had it on the sample tray, it, it hit me as absolutely freaking delicious right i liked this beer a lot and when we were talking about it before we decided to record this part of the podcast patrick was like yeah let's do it i drink recolch all the time why not yes so one thing and this is for you patrick but for the listeners who are new to the podcast i'm learning how to try beer and learn like learn how my palate works and stuff mm -hmm. so it's nose front end middle and back end is what we've been working on and i'm trying really hard to correctly for my own palate, find out how to taste those flavors in each different part. But I'll, I'll let you guys do it while I do it. 
to you, what's the nose, front end, middle, and back end of the recall? And, and Patrick can start because he's the one who's sure, yeah. had yeah. this beer many Absolutely, times. Absolutely, of course, yes. I mean, you get that, that Pilsner nose, you know. And, it, I mean, it is a Kolsch, but, I mean, that Pilsner comes right out, you know. Then once you take a sip of it, you do get that that uh, noble hops, you know, mm-hmm. comes right out, you know. And to me, it's just that, that clean finish. That, it's that little bit, you know, in that back end, the sticks, but it's so good, like, for, like, you know, summer day like this. You know. So, what is a no? What's the noble hop flavor in your mind then? So, what am I tasting? That's noble hops. Um, well, I mean, it's. How do I explain this? What uh, makes it unique? I guess. Maybe Patrick, want to help me a little bit? I mean, <clears throat> what I'm getting. I what sure I'm what I, right. Yeah, I mean, what I get from the noble hop is I get, I get, I think it adds to like the crispness to it. Um, it it gets that kind of shine on it. Um, what, what I I'm not when it comes to lighter beers, the hops aren't necessarily what I get a lot out of it. I'm more malt driven when it comes to these kind of things. So it's like I'm getting that touch of sweetness. Kolsch's tend to be a little sweeter on the mm-hmm. side of those German light styles. Um, and some of them go a little too far overboard. I think what's nice is that this one's really complimentary. Um, the hops for me is is just kind of giving me helping me with some crispness, giving it a little bit of body. Right, as I think well. it's like that, like you said, like a crispness. I also get like a little bit of like a dryness too, mm-hmm. you know, out of it that pulls out of it, and that that, that it helps balance. Right, that dryness pulls out that balance, you know. And for me, I mean, get that sweetness, you know. And that, I think in that back palate also get just a, like a little bit of bitterness, which is mm-hmm. like you know, which I think is the best way to strive. Like a culture should have that shouldn't be over sweet. I mm-hmm. think you have some cultures that end up being like, whoa, you know, this is way too sweet, but. You know, this I think the Total Coach has that that dryness to it and that clean, that crisp, you know, finish. The uh, the dryness that's interesting because I do get that completely, and that's I think in the middle when I'm tasting it, right. I get I get that crispness right away, which I guess is the noble hops, and then I get the dryness, and then the sweetness comes in at the way back mm-hmm. end with a little bitter at the very end. Right. Um, the nose is tough for me on this one. Uh, I don't really. I guess it's just because I don't know what a Pilsner nose is. I don't. I'm not a huge Pilsner drinker, so it's tough for me to say like, "Oh, I, I get the Pilsner notes," but it's. Uh, I guess it tastes like a light beer or smells like a light beer to me. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me. But I the smell rest, the rest. I'm getting. I smell the malt. Is what yeah. I smell. I mean, you definitely get the malt up, up the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, definitely. You know, that's you know Pilsner. Like you said, you know, for the people that don't know beer, yeah, it kind of does smell like a light beer. That's actually a great way of saying it. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> but it's. It's cool. So not, you know, when I learned, I learned something about this style the other day that I didn't know, and I felt really stupid about it. And then I just kind of laughed at myself for not realizing because Kolsch is not, <clears throat> excuse me, of of light German style beers. Kolsch tends to be the the least of the three that I drink. You know, I I tend to prefer more of like a Helles Lager, and then I would take like a Pilsner over it or a Dortmunder, and then I'd get to a Kolsch. What I learned is that a Kolsch is an ale yeast, correct? Mm-hmm. You guys use an ale yeast in this, but then it's lagered. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fermented at a colder temperature. Right. I uh, felt really dumb that I learned that the other day because uh, I saw Kolsch and it said a Kolsch-style ale, and I was like, what? A Kolsch is an ale? It's like, technically, yeah, but it's brewed like a lager. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you, like, ales are brewed at a higher fermentation temperature than loggers are i was gonna ask yeah so thank you. i figured yeah so <laughs> so i think i think what's really what's really cool about the style of kolsch is it's taking from both styles because there's basically only two types of beers you have an ale and a lager mm-hmm. and the fact that you're taking ale components and fermenting in lager style 
uh, is kind of a groovy concept. And Leave it to the Germans. And that's across the board for Kolsch's. It's that that way. To my knowledge, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of learning about this style. I just I thought I knew about this style. Well, yeah, I mean, the originally it comes out of uh, Cologne, Germany. You mm-hmm. know? Yep. I mean, that's, you know, that's where Kolsch's invented, yep. you know. Um, and I, I have yet to... to to go over for Oktoberfest. It's, mm. it's on the it's high on the bucket high list. High on the bucket list. <laughs> I think yep. I'm going 2020 actually. So I'm beyond stoked. I mean, luckily there are like German beer bars here, like Prost and Stomptisch, where you know I, I can always don't have to go to Germany. They can bring me here and like I was like, hey man, man, we can go down the road and drink Kolsch yeah. at uh, Occidental yeah, while we want best, to. Yeah. yeah, those guys do great stuff. Yeah. So that's our beer of the week this week. It is Stormbreakers Total Recolsch. And for those of you who are like me and maybe don't favor the light beer, come give this one a try. I think it'll change your mind a little bit. I'm interested, Patrick, in what you think. And this is kind of, uh, you know, we've, we touched on last week. We were talking with Mike Hunsaker about, uh, like, hazy IPAs and how they have made, you know, a big wave. I wonder, now, light beers, especially German-style lagers, are extremely popular amongst brewers, amongst, you know, those of us in the industry I am starting to believe that this trend is going to get away from just brewers, and this might be the new big thing in Portland of of, of German style loggers. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you see? That? Am I crazy to think that? Because I mean, we go in waves. You know, IPAs are never going away. People that like dark beer are never going away. People that like sours are never going away. But I feel like this is about to be the new trend. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, you know, Oxen all those guys, love those guys down. Like they start like. They they kicked it off for us here yep. in Portland, you know. Uh, I love their their calls too. I mean, and, and now fantastic. we got now we got Kevin down at Wayfinder who's making great beers, mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. starting to see so many more people putting more time into these lager style again. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kolsch's I mean, an ale, but it can kind of fall into it. I don't know, Mike. You know, I know this, but like with the like Kolsch's and lagering, it takes a lot longer to brew, you know. Um, and some breweries don't want to wait that long, you mm-hmm. know. So they'll pump out ales, you know, instead of you know taking the time with the lager mm-hmm. or Kolsch, you know. I'm really excited for this. I think there's so much more. You know, I think in, in America we've tried to focus on our own styles so much that sometimes the traditional, especially German traditional styles, can, can sometimes get lost in the shuffle for the average consumer. And I really think we're at a point now where it's about to start being the style. Again, IPAs aren't going anywhere. Right. IPAs are going to be around forever. But I do think this is the thing that's going to be the next big one. Well, I, I've noticed in... Again, it's in my in my small little world of craft beer, but I've noticed that there's some breweries opening up in the city that are solely devoted to German style ales uh, or lo- or beers, I should say. Like Zogelhaus is one that's mm-hmm. all German style beers. Mm-hmm. And we went to the uh, OBF the other weekend. It was a couple of breweries that were there that you were telling me were only Belgian style and only German style, and they were very specifically sticking to that style of beer. So if more of those places are opening, then, yeah, I could, I could see that being the case. Yeah, I'm down, especially, you know, since global warming doesn't exist and it's only hot now because of natural trends. Sorry, that's sarcasm. Um, <clears throat> that uh, these lighter beers, I mean, this is the stuff I'm trying to drink all day, every day. Yeah. That's why I like Session IPAs. Keeps it light. it gives me hoppy, but it keeps it light. Right, keeps yeah. It I refreshing. Mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you could, I think on, on our, let's say, our total coach, like, you can taste the hard work to put into it, mm-hmm. but you, it's like perfect after a hard day's work. You know, it's refreshing, it's light, easy drinkable, you know. And I think, you know, people that don't know much about that beer now will still kind of go back to those light beers 
But then, like, man, all these breweries are coming out with these cultures. Like, you know, the perfect one is, like, 50 for 40, those guys again. Like, yeah. You know, their culture is the amazing. Cascadia culture. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome, you know. And I think, like you said, this is the trend now. It's going this way. Well, and I'm really glad that we picked this beer for the beer of the week because it ties into what we want to get into next week on our podcast in how to introduce craft beer to the non-craft beer drinker. Because <clears throat> I, I think we mentioned this in our first podcast. I gave a buddy of mine who only drinks Coors Light and, like, Widmer Hefeweizen, I gave him a dad beer from Bear Lick. And he was like, whoa, this isn't bad. You know, in that kind of, like, semi-condescending but yeah. not condescending tone. Like, I didn't think I would like this. Oh, I still don't kind of like this. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it's craft cool. beer still sucks. But this beer, I, I guess I'll drink it, you know. And I feel something like Total Recolch is the perfect beer to put in front of somebody that doesn't, that really only drinks domestic American lagers to kind of say, try this. Gives you a little touch of sweetness. A lot of those rice-based big beer domestic lagers have sweetness. Mm-hmm. And how is this not, you know, hey, and it's 5.2%. So get that 3.6 crap out of here and you get drunk on a better tasting craft <laughs> yeah. beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's why you're drinking Coors Light, right? So you can get drunk. So let's do this instead. Well, it's funny also like working out the Misty location, we do get people like, oh, I drink Coors Light or, you know, Bud Light, whatever. I'm like, and you just say, here you go. And I just be. put it down, and they'll drink it like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. What? I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to Craft Brewer. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We're here. We're here. <laughs> well, Patrick said it. That's going to be next week's podcast. Episode four is going to be how to introduce craft beer to the non beer drinker or the uh, occasional beer drinker. Because to be honest, that was me when I started drinking beer. It was my wife who hated beer when we first moved out here, and a lot of people. So I think it's kind of an interesting topic. So that'll be next week. Do you want to know podcast. something, Mike? Not to cut you off here, but do you want to know something? What? We've all been there. Just because Patrick and I work in beer, you know, and we love beer, we were once that too. That is yeah, true. Absolutely. Sure, we were 16, 17 years old, but... Yeah, not, <laughs> we were, we were not 23 <laughs> when I first moved out here or whatever it was. We were all <laughs> there. And anyone out there listening, just remember that. We were all there at some point. So that's next week. Uh, remember, every Thursday, 4 p.m. is when this drops. And on iTunes, I know specifically, you can subscribe, you can rate, you can review us. It's going to be on Google Play. It's it going is to be, on, I've seen it on Google Play. It's going to be on 1080thefan.com, which is uh, another place where you can get it. And uh, I'll tweet it out at MikeLynch27. Patrick's been tweeting it out at PDD085. And uh, at 1080thefan on Twitter also. It's been tweeting it out as well. So that's where you can find us. And uh, thank you to Patrick for bringing us out here and sitting down with us throughout two segments. Hey, guys, thanks for having us. Yeah, not, not a problem. <laughs> uh, we, we've said it many times. If you get the chance, it's worth coming out to St. John's. This place is beautiful. Uh, the staff has been extremely friendly and accommodating to us. The food was fantastic. Uh, beers speak for themselves. Yeah, I think St. John's neighborhood still has that kind of old Portland feel to it, too, yep. going. So definitely come down here. Just not check the brewery out, but check the neighborhood out. It's why I'm never leaving North Portland. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, catch us next week, uh, 4 o'clock on Thursday, and we'll see you then. Deuces. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.